0: M. S. W. Media.
1: The second impeachment trial of Donald Trump is underway. But will it actually matter? Let's get on topic. Welcome to On Topic, a weekly in-depth look at a topic that helps us understand the week's news. My name's Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a legal analyst. I'm usually joined by my friend Patty Vasquez, but we had to tape this on a very short turnaround this week, so I'm going to be bringing our guests in in just a moment. But before I do, I want to thank our patrons who brought us this episode, with special thanks to Andrew Donnelly, James Fromeyer, Jay Gelhausen, Jamie and Izzy Gordon, Patrick, Angela Jackson, Ari Lamstein, Dan Maruska, Shana Wachinski, and an anonymous patron. You too can become a patron on our website, ontopicpodcast.com. Just click the support link at the top of the page. So this, this week has been an interesting one. Uh, obviously, we have all been paying close attention to the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump. And, of course, a couple of weeks ago, we had, I think, perhaps the best guest you could have to discuss that topic. Uh, Daniel Goldman, who was the lead attorney uh, during the first impeachment trial. Uh, and discuss sort of what we could expect. And one of the most shocking things that he said, at least shocking to me, was that there wouldn't be witnesses. He explained that even the Democratic senators really didn't want witnesses, and he didn't think it was necessary, and he made the argument for that. Uh, I disagreed. I wrote a column uh, in Politico arguing for why the the Democrats should call witnesses because it really looks like uh, there won't be a uh, a, conv- a conviction. Uh, I think there will be an acquittal by the Republican senators unless something shakes things up. And this week I have been waiting for a perfect guest to come along. And fortunately, Norm Eisen, who is Daniel Goldman's uh, colleague uh, ha- uh, on the last impeachment, uh, has been on standby. He's been on CNN all week long. Uh, you know, on their coverage, you may have seen him if you do watch CNN uh, and in a break in coverage, he has a little bit of time today. So we're going to do a, an interview with him today. Patty's not able to join us, uh, but I think it's going to be enlightening. And really, this will be an opportunity I'm going to ask him. I got a number of questions from you. I'm going to ask him some very directed questions about impeachment. Um, and then we'll come back. We'll have another episode later. I know a lot of the patrons in the Facebook group uh, were asking about some other guests. Uh, and by the way, I encourage all patrons uh, to join the Facebook group. You can find out information about that in the patron page. But right now I want to turn to Norm, to Norm Eisen, who, among other things, he's been the ambassador of the Czech Republic. He was the uh, elite ethics uh, person in the Obama administration for a period of time. Uh, but uh, I think the role that is most important here is he was really part of history in the first Trump impeachment, and I think he'll give us a lot of insight into what's happening today. Welcome to the podcast, Norm. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Renato, it's always a pleasure to talk law with you.
1: Well, you know, we've talked about law in a number of contexts, and I have to say you're somebody who's had a remarkable career. There's not many people who are able to be an ambassador uh, to have a, a, an important role uh, in focusing on ethics in a presidential administration, you know, working in a presidential administration and then to have a place in history working on the impeachment process uh, of a president. of The United States is something that rarely happens, although lately with Donald Trump, it's uh, happening more often. So real pleasure to have you and your perspective and. Um, I think our listeners would be interested to know what it was like. What what was the experience like to be involved in the last impeachment? And what what is something that people might not expect about that process?
0: Um, well, when I did the last impeachment, I was under the um, impression, as you described it, that impeachments are extremely rare and kind of a once in a century thing. There had only been uh, two prior impeachment trials uh, in the uh, over two centuries of American political life. Uh, the Johnson trial in the 19th century, the Clinton trial in the 20th century. And I participated in the what is now the first Trump trial in the 21st century. President Trump's conduct is so horrible that uh, we we need to have a second one. And Renato, the, the, one of the things that you don't see is how m- much more evidence there is that doesn't make the cut. And you know this well as an experienced prosecutor and trial lawyer, um, how much evidence uh and uh, uh, tips and whistleblower uh, whispers there are that doesn't make the cut to actually get into the trial. And Donald Trump is so much worse than we know. And in fact, in the first, I wrote about this in my book, A Case for the American People, about the first Trump impeachment. We had 10 articles of impeachment, only two of which ultimately made the cut. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a lot that hits the cutting room for it. That's the biggest surprise.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I always think that it's much harder to write a, you know, 20 minute or 30 minute closing argument than it is to write a two hour closing argument. And uh, really part of the important thing about communication you, and putting on a trial um, is refining your evidence, refining your case so that every minute of it makes an impact. And that's so important because human beings uh, will – your attention is going to fade. You're going to potentially um, start, you know, wandering. It's hard to pay full attention at all times. And if the the content is always very fresh and always very hard-hitting, it's easier to keep rapt attention. And I will say in this first impeachment – or the second impeachment trial that we've been watching this week – The House managers have really done that. I was very impressed with the editing of the video evidence that they've showed. uh, And it seemed to me like their goal was to really have a hard-hitting account that would constantly keep uh, viewers engaged.
0: Well, um, there's some very talented litigators among the House managers. Jamie Raskin, constitutional litigator, the lead manager. Um, David Cicilline and Joe Goose, who have been in heavy rotation in the trial. Um, Ted Lieu, who we saw yesterday. And, and Renato, the staff, the counsel that they have representing them includes um, perhaps America's greatest trial lawyer. I know none finer. I've worked very closely with him for years. He was my co-counsel in the first impeachment, um, uh, Barry Burke. And he mm-hmm. has a catchphrase, trial magic, <laughs> uh, for when we, when we try cases together, to, to make the whole greater than the sum of the parts, to rivet the, the jurors, to drive your case home, to change minds, Renato. And so um, they couldn't. And the rest of the staff, Joshua Matz, the appellate, Supreme Court legal specialist, who also I've worked with a lot over the years, kind of seen him grow from a young lawyer into, I think, one of the greatest appellate minds in the country uh, and so many other wonderful talents, uh, regulars of uh, the Hill staff like Aaron um, Hiller um from judiciary. Um, you know, it's it's an incredible group and you're seeing their experience and their talent and their hard work. Renato, you know you've got to have all three.
1: Absolutely. It's very, very hard work to put on a trial. You know, something that can seem very easy, um, you know, putting on a particular piece of evidence. Uh, you know, sometimes can take many, many, many hours to put on something that would only take 15 minutes of trial time, and all of that hard work and all of that refinement makes a difference. Uh, you know, I will often, I, I made a, a, a presentation to the Justice Department yesterday, and I think I was on my 14th draft of that by the time that it got to them because it's so important to refine what you do, get it perfectly honed. I, I could tell that, particularly in the cutting of. Video evidence and the way that it was weaved together with you know other types of evidence, whether it was tweets or uh you know uh quotes that were re- that were read by uh, one of the managers that there was a lot of care that was taken to tell a story using all sorts of different medium at the same time
0: and and the story we shouldn't of course you and I do trials for a living, I may say uh, uh from the opposite side of the rostrum, uh, having been a uh, lifelong uh, defense lawyer. Uh, I love trading notes with my brothers and sisters uh, in the prosecutorial bar. Um, uh, But we know that um, the, 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 the style that we're talking about, the technical points, should never, ever obscure the message. And what they've done is driven home the message of the president's long run-up to incitement, packing the human bomb full of the explosive charge, then lighting the fuse with his fighting words on January 6th and hurtling that human projectile down Pennsylvania Avenue at Congress and his own vice president. And you can't say that he didn't expect that there would be an explosion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta say, by the way, Norm, you're you're so vivid in the way you describe this. Uh you could tell you're a trial lawyer and 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 a good one at that. I will say that um I, I think one thing that you're saying that I think is important for everyone to pick up on is the importance of showing the full context of Trump's activity. In other words, if Trump had conceded the election right away, uh and you know, and you know, everything had proceeded as we had in a normal election. Whatever words that he said, even if he said the same words on January sixth, there wouldn't have been a crowd there. They wouldn't have been, you know, primed for a fight, and they wouldn't have meant much of anything at that point because it would have been a foregone conclusion. It was really that effort, that scheme that he um, that he undertook to try to overturn the election results, to uh, thwart our de- democratic process, replace it with something authoritarian that really gave power to his words and in, and enraged and incited that mob. And and in fact, the House, the House in their impeachment article, talked about uh, some of the elements of that scheme, like the uh, call with uh, Raffensperger.
0: Yeah, the Raffensburger call is going to take center stage now because, Renato, we know it's going to be very tough to get 17 members of the GOP to do the right thing. And and what the House managers and their counsel, the full trial team, have so expertly done is they've made the strongest pitch possible to the jurors. And that includes centering the case on those sympathetic uh, to the jurors. Mike Pence, well known to them, well liked. Much more Mike Pence than the danger to Nancy Pelosi yesterday, the focus on Pence. The focus on House staff, how they were scurrying, hiding for their lives, that, that powerful video. Mitt Romney, one of the Republicans' own, how he had to uh, 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 turn around and run for his life, the uh, heroic actions of Officer Goodman. But they're not just arguing to that jury. They're arguing to the American people so there'll be a high price to pay, and they're arguing to prosecutors like Fannie Willis. They're providing context and air cover for those prosecutors to do the right thing. And that's where the Raffensburger call comes in. They're so clever. They put the Raffensperger call in the draft article of impeachment as, <clears throat> as part of the pattern, the context that we have here. So, uh, uh, I, you know, that that sets us up. The There'll be a vote in this of the jurors in this trial, however it turns out um, it's only the first chapter and that's one of the unique things about impeachment trials you're not it's not like the trials you and I do uh in our uh, normal day to day lives um, uh, th- they they have historical resonance they um, they're they're argued for posterity we 're still talking about the trial techniques in the first presidential impeachment trial, the the Johnson, Andrew Johnson trial. So uh, that's what that's another thing that's very different on this unique kind of a trial.
1: You know, I've gotten I've asked our listeners for questions. And one question that really comes up and, and I think sentiment that comes up, I'm getting a lot of anger is they, they just don't understand why it is that, you know, Republican senators are so dismissive of this why they're not willing to consider um, you know, having a, a sanction against Trump here of, of not being able to hold future office. They're pretty upset about it, and I understand why. I imagine uh, it had to be frustrating for you during the first impeachment to experience some of the same, right? Uh, when there was a lot at stake, he was in the middle of his first term. Uh, I'm curious what your reaction is uh, to how Republicans have acted and if you can help our listeners understand uh, the, the mindset of Republicans, since you saw it up close in a way that we didn't at home.
0: Anyone who does not vote to convict and disqualify Donald Trump is ignoring the overwhelming evidentiary record that a high crime and misdemeanor was committed here ignoring the Constitution, which requires uh, conviction for um, high crimes like incitement of insurrection. And I I won't be too polite about it, Renato. They're betraying their oath, both the one they took to be impartial jurors uh, and their oath to the United States to protect, preserve, and defend the Constitution in this country, I believe, and it's a tragedy uh, for the United States, and it's a great danger that there is uh, decadence look there are issues uh, on the uh, within the uh, extremes of both party of both parties, but it's asymmetrical the in the Republican party. Uh, This has moved to the center of the party, and it commands a majority of the nationally elected members um, uh, who lead that party. And, And it is a combination, I think, of political expediency, of not wanting to lose power, and of personal fear of retribution. Including fear of bodily harm, mm-hmm. um, and um, but but that is the opposite of the courage and the virtue that the founders of this country showed, and that so many millions of Americans who have fought and died for our country exhibited. And uh, it's heartbreaking. And we just this election cycle, it was defeated. Uh, at the national level, with the executive branch of the legislative branch turning over because of America's revulsion and disgust, and um, uh, it's going to have to be addressed at the political
1: level. You know, one one thing that uh, our listeners were prepared for, and, and I think a lot of a lot of folks at home weren't but our listeners were, is that there w- we wouldn't be seeing witnesses in this trial. Uh, Daniel Goldman, uh, your former colleague, came on a couple weeks ago for a preview and basically said that, you know, they're really for various reasons, and he, he explained it, that there, um, there, uh, w- we wouldn't be seeing witnesses. Can you uh, how I'm still getting questions from listeners. Nonetheless, they're saying you, know, you they can subpoena witnesses. Why aren't they testifying? Why isn't Pence under oath? Why isn't Raffensperger under oath and so forth? Can you can you respond to those listeners who are concerned about that?
0: Um, Raffensperger is in the courtroom uh, in the form of the evidence that we heard about him and his words, Pence same thing. Um, We saw a video of Pence. And the truth is, you have more than enough evidence to make this case simply by utilizing the video, the audio, the tweets, It shows the president's long run-up of incitement, whipping people into a frenzy. It shows the president triggering the incitement with his words. He's Said, fight more than twenty times on January sixth. If you don't fight for it, your country's going to be taken away from you. Let's go down to march down Pennsylvania Avenue to Congress, and um, and he then um,
1: uh, failed
0: to failed to um, uh, call off the insurrectionists shameful inaction indeed he whipped them on we heard we saw the evidence of the president's tweet uh uh and now we know that it was after he heard from tuberville that mike pence had had to flee the building Mm -hmm. flee the senate chamber that um Uh, The president tweeted out aggressive, an aggressive uh, attack on Pence that was read, we saw yesterday, through a bullhorn by the insurrectionists and rioters to whip the mob to further violence. And the president knew it all. You don't need to bring a lot. You, You don't need you know, when you've proven your case, you don't need to bring in. Live witnesses, as you know, it's always risky The witnesses are can be unpredictable, could undermine.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting point
0: on the Raffensburger and on the uh call. We have a full audio of that. So go ahead. I cut you off or not.
1: Oh, not at all. I, I think <clears throat> I think that's an interesting point. I you know, I have um, you know, uh, the way I had looked at it, Norm, was that. You know, it doesn't look like we're we're gonna get seventeen votes, uh, GOP votes to uh, to uh, convict, and so take take risks, take chances to do whatever you can to shake up the shake things up. When you you know just so everyone who's listening understands, when you're behind in a trial, you have to take some risks. You can't, you know, if the if if you're on the path to losing, then that's then then that's it. But here, Norm's making. I think you're making an interesting point, Norm, which is. You have overwhelming evidence here of his guilt as to as to uh, inciting uh, an insurrection you know if you if you bring in witnesses all it, it one of the downsides of bringing in witnesses is you as you put it they're unpredictable it can actually make your case potentially uh worse it can make something that was otherwise airtight it can potentially give grounds for a legitimate reason to vote against. Whereas right now, I mean, if this if the Republicans aren't convinced uh, by all of this, they're probably not going to be convinced by anything. And now they just really have no excuse other than whatever their process arguments and so forth.
0: Uh, That's right. And they're not just arguing to the jury in the Senate. They're arguing to the jury uh, of the American people and they're arguing they're arguing to the jury of posterity and the same way that we talk about the Johnson trial, uh, the Clinton trial, the first Trump trial, this will mark history, including how Donald Trump is viewed by history. And that jury of the American people will be writing history in full time if he tries to run again. They're arguing to disqualify uh, Donald Trump since the Republican senators may not do it. Uh, have the American people do it. So they're serving all those purposes. And th- I think at this point, they don't have to bring in live witnesses because they've proved their case. Um, that video was so, so powerful. The new fresh mm-hmm. video, um, amazingly strong. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. I think one thing that was a smart tactic by the house managers is to keep that video under wraps until uh, it was shown and not even reveal, you know, days in advance what was going to happen. So it made it there was a surprise. There was something that they uh, that that the media didn't expect, that the public didn't expect, that they hadn't seen before. You know, new there's nothing particularly better or worse about new evidence versus older evidence. It's all the same, um, but uh, it can it get more attention from people at home. Uh, I will say, by the way, now there's one question that we have from uh, a listener I think takes particular poignance after an episode that occurred yesterday. And this this listener asks, you know, why is it that senators are not being removed for cause if they have bias or contact with the defendant or things like that? Now, I think there's some fairly obvious answers for that, but. I think he he raises Matthew raises an interesting point. How would you respond to that?
0: Well, these are unique trials, impeachment trials. It's not like the you know when you and I and your listeners go to an ordinary courtroom, um, and because they they're a hybrid of of a judicial and a political proceeding. Uh, some of the rules are relaxed. Look, in the last impeachment trial, I was on the floor for three weeks of the Senate. That was an incredible thing that, you know, so few uh, Americans who are not senators ever get to do to go and have a assigned seat at the trial table on the floor of the Senate. And everybody talked to each other all the time. Um, I talked to, you know, you never be allowed to talk to, to a jury if, as you know, if you're trying a case, in fact, I did, I was involved in a very notorious, um, uh, uh murder case in North Carolina, the Blanche Taylor Moore case an accused serial poisoner. And I, I, and, and my colleagues helped, um, uh attack the conviction in that case, we were brought in uh, for a collateral review, habeas review, after she was convicted and after the appeal failed. I went door to door and I found proof that the judge had been in the jury room talking to the jurors during the case. You are not allowed. You, you are not allowed. We could do a whole other podcast on it. Renato, that's another very important thing, and we saw this in the impeachment trial yesterday. Just legwork, elbow grease—you don't need to be a big genius. I'm certainly not to um, go door to door and and do do the um, the hard work of uh, collecting your evidence. But here, I, I was talking to both democratic and republican senators every day i write a lot about it in my book a case for the american people how ken starr and i had an impromptu court session a sidebar with Mitt romney as he was working through the legal issues Mm. um and um you know really grilling the two of us ken starr an old friend from the clinton who i first met during the clinton impeachment when i was a baby lawyer representing uh, some of the uh, some of the witnesses uh, in the Clinton White House um, and who's always been very kind to me and who I thought was the single most distinguished defense lawyer in the first Mm -hmm. impeachment. Uh, And nobody nobody has taken that title away from him in the second impeachment. Let me tell you, the page who brought us our, our glasses of seltzer and milk could have done a better job of arguing for Trump than these uh, two characters who showed up on Tuesday. But, um, the point, the point being, um, it is a political proceeding and you talk to each other. Um, so, uh, you know, it's not like a regular trial.
1: Yeah, it, that's exactly right. Um, one one uh one question i do and i think this is a good sort of uh question to to kind of sum a lot of things up uh, one one of our listeners is concerned about what will happen if the if this if this if there's no conviction in this trial w would it eliminate a uh, a check on presidential power i think this this listener is concerned about the the broader consequences of not having Um, impeachment be a, a, a viable remedy for removing a president
0: we don't have just one guardrail in american democracy and rule of law the they were they you want to talk about geniuses they were geniuses the founders of this country and the framers of the constitution and uh how fortunate uh for for our history and the world that that collection of mighty minds came to and souls, they, they match their, their wisdom, uh, uh, with, with powerful values that they came together. So they gave us in their wisdom and you see it in the constitution. It talks about impeachment, but also about prosecution after impeachment. Um, And so uh, there'll be other, even if the uh, conviction fails here. And we know it's pretty tough because of the depravity that I discussed earlier. Um, We have to say what it is, uh, the failure to convict on this record. Um, You know, there'll be criminal prosecutions. One was just announced, Sonny Willis. Uh, an investigation, pardon me, Sonny Willis, the DA, new DA, very experienced prosecutor in, in Fulton County, uh, Georgia. She's looking at whether the president violated uh, a raft of Georgia law, including uh, including and um, I think the most dangerous to him is the felony of soliciting um soliciting um, election fraud, which that Rappensberger tape proves there'll be civil litigation. Those who were injured as a result of Trump's words. Um, there's other criminal proceedings against Trump. So I think there's, you know, there's going to be many more guardrails to respond to this wrongdoing. Um, that's the genius of the American rule of law system. I'm just sorry we're all going to have to be reading about and hearing about. Trump for months and years to come. I wish we could just turn a page on him. But the good news is maybe it'll give you an excuse to invite me back on your podcast, Renato.
1: Well, absolutely. And one, what I will say, I, you've mentioned your book a couple of times. I'd love for you to, to tell us a little bit about your book and maybe something in your book that would help listeners uh, get to have a better perspective on this uh, impeachment that we're watching right now.
0: The book is a case for the American people, and it tells the story really of my four year uh, effort to defend the Constitution against Trump's assaults. So I start with uh, a place that may surprise your listeners helping the Trump transition as volunteering, as a patriotic American. I didn't vote for him, but. Uh, using my ethics expertise that you alluded to, to try to help. And then uh, my disillusionment with Trump when he began violating the Constitution, announcing he would take unlawful foreign government cash, so-called emoluments, uh, even before he went into office. That was the break for me. Then the hundreds of cases, I'm told I'm one of the most frequent litigants against Trump, Uh, And uh, the first impeachment and then connecting the dots, Renato, here's what will help the listener, because in the book I write about how all of the misconduct, the Mueller investigation um, and the uh, Ukraine impeachment predicted the COVID wrongdoing. And then from COVID, the election, I predict in the last page of the book what the election fight we would have. And so, you know, this impeachment is a matter of connecting the dots. And there are more dots of accountability and the rule of law yet to be connected. Uh, And uh, Donald Trump's um, days in front of juries are just beginning.
1: Wow. Well, I think that is quite some perspective. And I think it's a good place for us to end this conversation. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Norm. We would love to have you back. I appreciate you making time in between your busy television schedule this week. I I know I'm looking forward to tuning in, uh, not only to hear what you have to say, but also, of course, to see uh, some of the new surprises we're probably going to see today in the impeachment trial.
0: Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure to be with you.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of On Topic. Please subscribe to this podcast. Go to your app and review the podcast and join us for our next episode. I'm Renato Mariotti. Until next time, let's stay on topic.